Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Lots of content over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. I Just this morning, I published six things I learned about Michigan in its 6-0 start, kind of digging into the, to the, you know, the real deep stats and analytics and my own personal thoughts on, on the run game, the run defense, pass game. Uh, you know, mistake-free football, some, some of the things that have been discussed on this podcast, but maybe digging a little bit more into them. Lots of uh, recruiting changes. They, the updated 2022 recruiting rankings are up. You can see where Michigan's commits and targets have, have moved in this, in this latest ranking as, as many players are uh, reaching the, I guess, latter half of their senior seasons. And then lots of preview content to come. You know, Michigan playing Northwestern this weekend. This, this podcast is going to talk a lot about that matchup and also kind of where the Wolverines are coming off of a bye week. So the first half of the episode, kind of similar to, to, to most of our preview episodes, we'll talk about some of the key things that stood out to us, key storylines, either in this matchup or, you know, speaking to Michigan from press conferences this week. And then the back half, we'll do our over-under prop bet predictions and our final thoughts on this matchup. Steve, I, I want to start here with the storyline, something that I think, I think we've brushed on it here and there. But Jim Harbaugh last week after the N- Nebraska win, both at the, in, in the postgame press conference, but then also the Monday after, repeated a, a, a phrase that, that I think is worth discussing and he said, you know, this, this team, referring to Michigan, they work hard, they grind, they, 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 they do everything they're supposed to do, and they don't have to be talked into it. Is, is, that's a paraphrase, but that's more or less what he said. They don't have to be asked to work hard or asked to, to bring it in a drill or a scrimmage. They just, they do it. They do it without having to be asked. And, and then this past Monday, he said that twice, actually three times, three separate interviews, he said this team, when they came back on Sunday, because they got, I think Thursday was like a half day, Friday was off, Saturday was off. He said that the return practice was as good of a return practice that he has ever seen. He is not a guy who makes a lot of comparisons, but he said that was the best return practice he any of his teams have ever had. A lot has been said about the culture, the energy, the vibe, these are all words that I'm almost sick of writing about at this point just because because they get mentioned so much. But Steve, when you hear those quotes from someone who doesn't usually do comparisons, doesn't usually do superlatives, and, and doesn't really make an extra effort, in my opinion, to, to sell his team every year, you know, he doesn't have that used car salesman attitude as a head coach, there are few in the Big Ten that do. He's not one of them. What what does that mean to you? What is the significance of that? And and even though we we can't see practice, do you have any sense for for just how true that is, or how legitimate of a claim that is for Jim Harbaugh to make? With Harbaugh, I've always felt like when he says something like that, you should listen. Cause like you said, I, he's not one that's prone to making statements like that. So good work on like finding that statement and, and, and realizing that there's meaning to it. Cause there is, I mean, it's, I mean, you could like going back to last year, you could, you could, you could see it tangibly on the field uh, that just guys were checked out uh, whether it was, after a couple losses or either way, just stuff you're not supposed to see a football team do 
Another quote, and I think it was this week, was did Jamon Green meet this week or was it last week? Um, he met with us last night, yeah. Right. His comment about compare he because he did a little bit of comparison from last year to this year. I'm mm-hmm. just going to read this real quick. So that he said that this is Jamon Green starting corner. This year, just going back and forth, if we feel uncomfortable with something in a coverage or something, we come talk to the coaches. They'll try to help us out. Last year, we didn't do that. We didn't have one-on-one conversations about the defense. It was always like, play this, do that. But this year, we do a lot of adjustments, even throughout the games. I feel like it's a lot better just adjusting and stuff. He said, we get to have a full conversation with the coaches. I could just go have a full conversation with them. I could just go into, I think he's referring to Clink Scale, could go into his office right now, yes. sit there for an hour and chop it up with him about football life. He said, last year, I didn't kind of do that very much, but that was last year. A little bit of paraphrasing in there, but still. Um, <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't tell you that, you know, the mentality yeah. has kind of changed, right? And again, it is a topic that we've talked a little bit about or, or maybe a, a lot about uh, at certain points, but you read stuff like that, you hear stuff like that, it's like, you know, I, I, I don't get, how does it even get to that point? in the first place where you have a player, Jamon Green, who was, was arguably their best cornerback last year. A guy doesn't doesn't even feel comfortable enough to approach his coaches to discuss like the hmm. game or film or, or 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 like he said, he can go into off into Clink Scale's office right now and talk to him and, and talk about football and life and stuff. I mean that's that's pretty bad. Uh if you're ever at a point as a player where you can't you don't feel comfortable enough to approach any member of your coaching staff uh, to, to talk about football or life or whatever, that, that that's what this is supposed to be all about. You know, it's a learning experience for these players on and off the field. Coaches are supposed to kind of be the, the guides. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think we, I think we'd agree. I think Aiden Hutchinson, a big reason as, as far as like a guy who's really a, you know, we talked about Haskins being a tone setter for Michigan on the field offensively last week. Hutchinson kind of feels like a guy who set the tone for the entire team off the field. You mentioned the, uh, you want to be the ring him out every day or whatever in the off season. And they've talked about him being the guy, like to get guys to the practice field, everybody shows up that type of thing. So it's, it's, it feels like as things are, as things stand right now and the way this is good, it feels like, and I don't want to speculate too much here, but, just in a coaching and maybe just a player standpoint that some of the right, some of the right players and coaches have left the program and, and the, and the team there's a, just everyone's more on the same page maybe than they have been in a long time and, and, and yeah. working towards a common goal. So, and, and again, comments like that from Jamon Green really illustrate kind of what Harbaugh is saying about, you know, these guys don't need to be asked and obviously implying that in the past players needed to be asked <laughs> to do some of this right. stuff, some players, <laughs> whoever they may be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, and that those little kind of things in, 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 at the college level, I think can make a, a really big difference. And, and again, we've seen Michigan just play. You can see it on the field. There, there's, there seems to be less, less ebb and flow as far as like lulls or, or, you know, it just, they seem to play more crisp from, from whistle to whistle uh, from beginning to end. And I think little things like that can, can really uh, can do that, you know? And, and so, yeah, absolutely must pay attention to what Harbaugh had to say in that regard, in my opinion. Yeah. One more quote on the coaches. I, I actually forgot about this one. It was last week. Jeff Spate was asked what's different about the defense this season. If, if there was one thing and, and he had, a couple sentences beforehand, so he didn't just say this, but the quote that uh, stood out to me, he said, quote, there isn't a coach in this building I wouldn't want to play for. We fully trust these coaches. Um, enough, just more, more evidence, as you pointed out, like, okay, he isn't saying that every single year, right? You know, it's, it's something that, that, you know, when you're asked about what's different this year and that's where you go to, Obviously, the implication is that they didn't fully trust previous coaches or, or, or if they initially did, they lost that trust. So, yeah, I think 
I think that's a, that's a valid point. And then, and then to Harbaugh's point about not having to be asked. And, and there was, you know, I did a story on JJ McCarthy and Donovan Edwards having those 4am practices, you know, in, in unsupervised, you know, just unofficial practices, uh, you know, with Andrew Anthony and, and Christian Dixon after they got home from the road trip to Nebraska. So it's, it's, it's kind of a myth to suggest that the previous teams didn't work hard or didn't, you know, try, try their best. But, but, but I do think there's a lot to be said about a team that, that embraces the hard work because that's the difference between a team that starts a season really well and a team that finishes the season really strongly. Because football is a very um, physically and mentally demanding sport. I mean, there's a lot of grind throughout the entire season guys are getting dinged up guys are beat up if you ever meet a football player in the middle of a season ask them how they're feeling every single one of them is sore like all the time so it's kind of uh uh you know i think dalen baldwin said it the other day you know it's a myth that a player is 100 percent during football season because either you're you're working hard enough in games that you have to recover during practices or you're on, you know, kind of the scout team, stuff like that. And you're, you're asked to, to really give it your all in practice. And the game is made when you recover. And so uh, it's, it's a demanding sport mentally, physically, emotionally. And so for, to, for, for Jim Harbaugh to, to come out and say, that's what he likes most about this team. I don't think it's just all talk. You know, I think he does see a team that, that can kind of self-coach a little bit. Because, you know, the coaches can offer their input and, and you, you bring up a great point about being on the same page. That's really valuable. But the players are the ones who have to make the plays. And the players are the ones who were tasked with getting better this offseason. The scheme changes seem to be effective. And, and you know, there, there, were, there were, was an effort to put it, bring in younger coaches, more energetic coaches that click with players and will actually be teachers instead of, I guess, bosses maybe that's the best comparison is they went from having ceo coaches on the defensive side of the ball to, to maybe teachers on the defensive side of the ball that might might be a better fit for a college defense anyways but at the end of the day it is it is down to the players and so um heading into these final six games steve last last week we did two episodes uh anyone who didn't listen to them i highly recommend them i thought we did a nice job with them in my personal very much bias toward us opinion, but we, we broke down some of the key strengths and weaknesses of, of Michigan. Anything after maybe sitting on it a week, maybe watching some college football this past weekend, maybe, maybe hearing a little bit more of the press conferences, things like that. Anything really stand out as, as maybe an addition or a revision on, on your thoughts on Michigan heading into these final six games. Is there anything really jumping out at you as, as either a takeaway from the first six games or something that you're really interested to see in these final six games? Not much has changed. I, I still, I, I'm still interested. I think the quarterback situation is Michigan's biggest story or storyline heading into the second half. Not, and again, going back, basically repeat what I said last week not necessarily because McNamara hasn't played well. I think he's played well, but I think he's going to have to play better for Michigan to, if they're going to come, if they're going to win the East by chance or, or even more, I think they're going to have to get better play at quarterback. Um, they've run the ball effectively against every opponent this season, save for one half against one team uh, defensively possible all-conference players at all three levels of the defense, including an All-American on the edge and arguably the best. I've seen people talk about other defensive, like a couple other, like Kyle Hamilton, a couple others mentioned as like Heisman candidates. No idea why Aiden Hutchinson, if you're going to talk about a defensive player this season, why he wouldn't be in that conversation. If you're going to send a defensive guy to, to the uh, the to New York. But, you know, I, I still think it kind of comes down to, a step up in quarterback play. But by that same token, I think Michigan needs Roman Wilson back. And I think they need Cornelius Johnson to have a good 
second half also. It's not all on the quarterback. I think Michigan needs more from the guys that are catching the ball as well. So that's one thing to watch. I still stand by. I mean, you watch watch a couple games. You watch a few games. You see, I still think, again, Michigan's ability to run the football and so far their ability to stop the run on the inside is is are the two biggest things they have going for them and are things that, provided they keep playing at the level they do, they're going to – what did we say? They're, blow, they're, not, they're, they're blowout – they're not as nearly as blowout prone as – some team Michigan teams in the past maybe have been, you know, this feels like a team that's going to be in every game, you know, barring some kind of just complete collapse scheme schematically, or maybe an injury or two. So I think that's really valuable when two of your three biggest games remaining are on the road. So yeah, for me, it's really hasn't changed that much. Uh, I'm interested to see if Ojabo continues to ascend or if there's an, even another guy up front, you know, cause that's the kind of the thing. about yeah, McGregor. Right. I think he's had a few really good snaps lately. I mean, Chris, there, there's a Chris, high ceiling. I'm with you. Chris Jenkins, Mike Morris. Like there's guys like that's what's interesting about them up front. You know, we talked a lot about Mozzie Smith's had a great season so far. I think he's he is on the verge, maybe exceeding the expectations that we had for him. There were some expectations for him this season. I think they were kind of high. All things considered, he hadn't really played a ton of meaningful snaps. I think Hinton has exceeded expectations, at least in the last three or four weeks. But what's interesting about Michigan up front is there are. There are three or four other guys who, besides Ojabo and uh, Hutchinson, who just feel like they could be on the verge of like becoming even bigger contributors than they already are. You know, And so that's, I think that's one of the interesting things about them defensively is they've already shown to be pretty good and pretty strong, particularly up front. But feels like that feels like they could be even better, uh, you know, as these guys get more and more snaps and, and play just, you know, just get more and more experience. So that'll be something to be interesting. And that's another reason why, like I said, we'll the pass coverage, I think, has been has been pretty, pretty good for the most part. Um, Michigan State will be a nice test in that regard. I just think Michigan up front, that D that D line from from both talent at the top and just the depth are they're going to be a handful for Michigan state, Penn state, and even Ohio state. I feel like, you know, and that's going to give Michigan a chance in, in any of their big remaining games. Yeah. I think as much as the quarterbacks get discussed, it really does come, come down to who can run the ball, who can stop the run. And especially in the big 10 in November. I mean, that's, that's kind of the name of the game. Best quarterback is probably still going to be on the team that wins. Same time, you look at the Michigan-Ohio State game, it, it really has been Ohio State's been able to run like crazy, and Michigan has not been able to run the ball much at all. Was it and the, in 2016 it, and 20 – Sorry, but real quick, was it – so? but people keep pointing to like the one year that Ohio State didn't run the ball down Michigan's throat and talking about their receivers and their passing game, but you're right. I mean – Zeke Elliott, um, Mikey Weber, J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins um, I'm, I'm thinking of some Beanie Wells. Go back that far. That's Carlos what it's Hyde. Been. Carlos yeah. Hyde. It's been, it's always yeah. So sorry, but I feel like there was a topic on the board a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, about it being Ohio State's passing game, where it's like no, like they've always been able to. They've always their running backs have always had huge games against Michigan. And and like you said, they haven't, Michigan hasn't done the same on the other side of the ball. So, right. And that's, that's the thing is I, I think they actually have stopped the run sort of against Ohio state, especially maybe in the first half of games. Like I think 2016, 2017, but those years, Michigan's rushing attack didn't do super well. They didn't have what they have now. So that's, that's something that, that I'm interested to see is like, are Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins, do they both legitimately get to a thousand rushing yards? Because that probably means they had good games against Michigan State and Penn State, at least. And it probably means that they were pretty consistent and Michigan was winning a couple of those games. Where I'm very curious, I know you just, you actually talked about the other part of the defense. I'm very curious about this coverage because I was looking it up 
this morning doing a doing a story on the biggest questions about this team heading into the final six games. Not sold on the pass coverage. Not really. I mean, the numbers are, as you mentioned, they're they're okay. They're they're good. I think they are graded out as the 37th best team in pass coverage according to Pro Football Focus. That probably could be good enough if they can stay at 37th throughout the whole season, but they have only faced one quarterback. You know, there's been a couple publications that have ranked the the quarterbacks in the country all 130. They've only faced one in the top 50. No matter which publication you're looking at. Um PFF has done it. They've only faced one in the top 85. And that's Adrian Martinez, who actually had a pretty good game. 291 passing yards, three touchdowns, passer rating of 180 on, on 28 attempts. So that is where I'm curious, because I think you could argue that the four best passing offenses Michigan will face this season are still left on the schedule. Maryland, I know, I know people aren't sold on Maryland as a team, but they do have a quarterback and a receiving core better than Wisconsin, Washington, Northern Illinois, most likely Western Michigan, um, so on and so forth. You know, Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State. And so that's where you know, they've had time to kind of get better and continue to progress. But if there's one position group where we have not heard a ton about the depth of the team where we've not heard you know when I'm doing grades every single week they're not they're not in the they're not getting 4.0s it really is that that secondary and so that's where I'm very fascinated to see if there was one thing that maybe this this past weekend I was kind of looking around the country at and in the Big Ten looking at different teams I think that might be the the weak link that separates, you know, if they can figure it out, they're going to a New Year's Six Bowl and they're probably in contention for, for more heading into the final week of the regular season. If they can't figure it out, then this might be closer to a nine and three, you know, Florida January 1st bowl game type of season. So that's something on my mind is, is just looking at the, the coverage stats. They've been all right but they look a little worse when you consider the passing attacks that they have faced so far this season. But, but as you point out, I'm very interested about the ceiling of this pass rush because that could change things in a hurry. I mean, if, if, if David Ajabo continues to ascend, if um, you know, Jalen Harrell is someone that Michigan coaches are very sold on clearly because they play him a lot. Does he start to find his footing? Braden McGregor, uh, another top, you know, blue chip recruit, Junior Colson, I know he's not, he's a linebacker, but, but he's, he's quietly been a pretty good pass rusher as well. And he's just getting started on his career. So there's, there's a few players and you mentioned the guys on the inside. Yeah, I think there's, there's a very high ceiling and suddenly that could take some pressure off of, you know, Jamon Green and Vincent Gray. I think, I think they've had, they almost seem to be like one out of every five pass attempts their way. They either are, commit a penalty or give up a big play. And suddenly maybe that, that one out of every five pass attempts doesn't exist because there's a sack. You know, there's a little less pressure on them to be good every single snap. You know, they can, they can have kind of the, the ups and downs that they're probably going to experience, but it won't be as consequential. So that's, that's something I am keeping an eye on. Steve, before we hit a break, what is, what is the biggest – thing you want to see this weekend from Michigan against Northwestern that will leave you walking away calling this weekend a successful one for Michigan other than a victory and staying healthy I mean is there anything you want to see them kind of show off or showcase against a Wildcats team that that is you know just just good enough to that to, to be worth paying attention to but Michigan probably has a pretty sizable advantage over. Is there anything you want to see this weekend from the Wolverines for, for you to call it a successful weekend for them? I mean, we just kind of come like go back to what I just said and, and talk, maybe like to see some of those younger guys in that pass rush, uh, get a full bye week. That's a valuable week in a lot of ways for a lot of these guys. 
some rest, but also probably some valuable practice time, you know, maybe see how a guy like a Mike Morris plays or a Braden McGregor, like you said, right? I also, you know, I got, I've always gone back and forth on this stuff. And, and yeah, Michigan's favored by 24. It'd be, it'd be a very big upset if they were to lose this game somehow. Obviously, we're not expecting that. I'm, you know, you just had a bye week. I, I, I don't think you, this is a situation where you rest your starters like for half the game if you can. I think you, and I'm not saying play them the whole way. I, I say you just treat it like another game, though. Uh, I, I say you play them a little bit further in than you would. What about just speaking to specifically to one position? What about running back? I mean, that is a position group that is sure. physically taxing. I think Corman Haskins have proven what they're going to approve. Um, I mean, That's, I agree, yeah. though. I think there are position groups that need work. They need the reps. Is this a situation where maybe, though, you do keep an eye on some of your, I guess, best players? Sure. I think I think there, I think there. Edwards is good enough. I think you could – that is a spot. So, yeah, you're right. I think there are a couple positions you can get away with that. Running back being the clear one for Michigan, uh, that maybe Edwards could get a little bit more run in a game like this just to keep Haskins and – really particularly Haskins, just because he his his brand of ball is so physical. You know, granted, they just had the week off, but still, like you said, nobody's ever 100% in the regular season. So I could see it there, but I think of other spots, like I think receiver, you know, I think you got to play those guys the whole way through. Corner, I think you got to play those guys the whole way through. And uh, linebacker, whatever. Like, you just – I don't – Sometimes I think people treat these games the week before a big game as like a not a buy, but like a an opportunity to get guys even more like a rest. preseason game. Yeah, but like I always been big on like I always go back to I don't know why this makes me think of this, but I always think of like back in the day, like when the Colts with Peyton Manning would go like fifteen and one every year, and they'd like sit <laughs> they'd sit like all their starters for the final regular season game, and then they'd have a buy, and then they'd always get beat like in the divisional playoff. Cause like their guys hadn't played in like three weeks at that point. Right. You know, it's like, I, I just, I, I, and I just always feel like you want to play or get your heart starters, a healthy amount of work uh, the week before a big game. And uh, you know, just kind of treat it as business as usual and try not to be too cute and too careful about, you know, your situation, but with positions that have not just depth, but talent. Yeah. That's okay. You know, that's why I say that's why I bring up like a Mike Morris or a Braden McGregor. Like, yeah, like you said, you could say the same for like a Donovan Edwards situation at running back, right? Where it's like, you know, Aiden, I don't think the, those rules apply to Aiden Hutchinson. You could play him however many snaps, you know, high or low against Northwestern, and it's not going to take away from what he's going to be able to do against Michigan State, right? I just, there are certain areas though where I think, you know, Michigan should just kind of treat it like every other game uh whether they get ahead obviously if, it, if the game stays within reach for northwestern you're going to play all your best guys but if they were to pull away i don't think you pull the plug uh too too soon in the name of keeping guys fresh you know because you just you're, you are coming off a of bye week so they should be as fresh as they've been um in four or five weeks anyway so i think you just kind of go you go with it uh you treat it like every other game and leading into a, a really big game next weekend yeah I don't, I don't disagree. Obviously the, the one part of that is like if a player suffers an injury when Michigan's up by 20 over North, you know, suddenly then the microscope goes back. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you're one injury away from it being the wrong idea. <laughs> but I, but I do think, you know, that's mostly correct. This and, and Michigan, they're six and oh, they're number six in the country. I don't think anyone is, Put projecting them to make the playoffs right now though and so so there is work to be done you know Michigan players themselves have said you know even, I think even when they're like 4-0 5-0 like Ohio State's still there at the end of the schedule and they're they're getting better they're looking pretty good too so um, you know has Michigan met its standard I don't think very many players would say that they have the one thing I'm very curious about, other than the parts you mentioned, I think the pass rush will be interesting. I think um, you, you mentioned kind of the ascension of the defensive front. I think this is a big week for a receiver to show off maybe their progress because they've had two weeks. They've been able to build 
more chemistry with Cade McNamara. And that, that really is the one position group where they, they has faced legitimate adversity this season, where they had a season-ending injury, and then they had another starter suffer an injury. And I don't, I don't know Rowan Wilson's status for this week or anything. I don't think Michigan said anything. But either way, you know, they guys who were thought to be maybe ahead of the season, the number four, number five receiver, are probably starting on Saturday or playing really significant snaps. And so with that extra week to recover, sure, but also to reassess, to self-scout, to look at your film, and to, to get maybe some tackle-free timing building chemistry reps in with, with your quarterbacks, is this a game where, where maybe someone new can step up in the receiver game? Because I think, I think it goes without saying, if Michigan can get a Ronnie Bell-type showing from any of its other receivers, this offense kind of kicks from a maybe like a 25th best offense to one that's maybe top 15 knocking on the door of top 10. They have the offensive line. They have the run game. They have a mistake-free quarterback. So if they can get a little bit more from the receiving game, you are talking about an offense that, that can not just hang around with good teams, but beat a couple good teams. Anyways, we're going to hit a break. On the other side, we'll do our prop bets for this game and our final predictions for Michigan versus Northwestern. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. Thanks for waiting. So, yeah, of course, our, our prop bets, our over-unders are always... Uh, provided to us by Neil or via Azul over on our message board. There's eight of them, four on offense, four on defense, special teams. Last week, Steve, you went five for seven, so nice job. Uh, I went three for seven. I think we each, I think there was a push. So, so far this season, in 39 attempts, I have 22 correct, you have 20 correct. So despite your 0 for week a few weeks ago, we are, we are back to round tied. Number one, 1. 1.5 Michigan running backs with 90 or more rushing yards. So there's a couple layers here. One, how well will Michigan run the football to the point of getting multiple running backs with 90 or more rushing yards? Two, do they rein in the carries a little bit with a couple of the starters? Do they get two running backs with at least 90 rushing yards, Steve? What do you, what do you think? Oh, boy. Uh... I'll say under, whether it's because they split it three ways. Like I said, we just talked about maybe this would be a week to get Edwards some, some more carries. Um, you know, I'm going to go under. I think, I think, I do think Edwards does get a healthy amount of carries and they keep it. I think if anything, maybe one guy has a, has a big run or a big game. And, and I don't think two guys go over though. I will take the over on this. I think. You know, they don't need 20 carries to get to 90 yards, at least statistically speaking. Uh, Blake Corman and Hassan Haskins have not needed 20 carries to get to 90 yards. So I think, and, and really one 50-yard run, as you know, with Hassan Haskins last week, he got one. I mean, it's, that's, that's all it takes to, to really get in that ballpark. So 90 is a tough number because it's it's – it's just attainable enough that I think multiple backs can do it, but maybe it's just far enough reach that I, I could be wrong. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the over. Northwestern, not especially good against good 
running backs. You know, they, they did well against Rutgers, but Rutgers doesn't have much of a run game against Nebraska, who runs the football a lot, against Michigan State, who runs the football a lot. Pretty significant struggles in that run defense. I, I think Michigan, if they wanted to break out the Washington playbook, you know, that, that game plan, they probably could pull, pull that off this week and do well. Number two, J.J. McCarthy's first snap comes with 10 minutes left in the second quarter. So this is a sooner or later. Does, does his first snap come sooner than 10 minutes left in the second quarter or later? I'm going to take the – I'm going to call this one an easy one. I think it comes sooner. Uh, based, I mean, he's done that the past couple couple games, if I'm not mistaken, or at least against Nebraska he did. Steve, what do you think, sooner or later? I agree. I think that's a pretty easy one. I think they've been, they've been mixing him in there more and more. I don't think this week will be any dif- dif- any different. And again, even though I say, or I, my opinion was that Michigan should play their starters, whatever, I can foresee a scenario where McCarthy does play or plays maybe his most snaps of the season on Saturday. So I would definitely say sooner. feels feels like there would be a, a benefit to that. Yep. Honestly, I, I, it seems like McNamara, I mean, he was, he, he beat Nebraska. I'm not trying to take away from his game, but it, it, it was a game that did not close the door on who the starting quarterback is. And, and we haven't seen McCarthy throw enough passes to like officially formally say, we talked about this all last week, but officially make the switch. But I don't think that door is closed. And if the door, if the door isn't closed halfway through the season, does Michigan owe it to itself to, at least see what's on the other side of the door, at least maybe let McCarthy have a series before, before the game's a blowout, you know, maybe, maybe while it's still somewhat close, let him have a series, see how he handles it. Because, you know, there is, there is a situation where they might have to make a switch, not, you know, not necessarily due to like a big injury, but like if, if McNamara gets roughed up by Michigan state, who obviously will be coming out, you know, really aggressive on defense. McCarthy might have to go in on the road in a, in a pretty legitimate environment. So I, I think that there's, I think there's a lot to gain for Michigan playing him more. And, and I do think it comes sooner. I think, I think Michigan's aware that they are still trying to hit their stride in the passing game a little bit. All right, next one, 1.5 times that Michigan goes for it on fourth down. I don't know the exact numbers. Feels like they are attempting fourth downs more this year than last in past years, period. I think Haskins helps with that. I think the offensive line, the belief in them hap- helps a lot. I think also the NFL's overall focus and shift toward going for it on fourth down. I mean, the, the, you know, Matt Weiss was kind of like an analytics. He, he was an assistant coach as well, but he, he worked a lot with the Baltimore Ravens analytics team. They're one of those teams that, that seems to be going for it on fourth down quite a bit more than they maybe previously were. I'm going to take the over. I, I think that the, I think Michigan is gradually and Jim Harbaugh is gradually going toward a pretty modern fourth down approach. Yeah. I actually think this one's kind of an easy one too. I think they'll go for it on fourth down more than once. So and I agree at most, yeah, like the game is kind of shifting in that direction a little bit more. And, you know, you talk about Michigan, if they wanted to adapt or adopt a Washington style game plan in this game, meaning they should be able to run the ball pretty successfully if they want to. Um, I can see fourth and two, fourth and three, then maybe going for it, you know, in maybe a scenario where they normally wouldn't and just trying to run the football for a first down. So I'll say, I'll say over. They have 12 attempts this season, eight conversions on fourth down. So I guess two, 1.5 is actually a pretty fair number. So we're both, we're both taking the over on it anyways. Uh, number four, 3.5 completed passes of at least 20 yards. Steve, we don't need to talk too much about this, but I actually was looking it up. Michigan is c- completing... Uh, about 44% of its passes of 20 or more yards downfield. That's air yards, not yards after the catch. And has six touchdowns, zero interceptions on those passes. Has five passes of 50 yards or more already. Compared to the 2019 season, 
they are miles ahead of where the Wolverines were just two years ago when they had Nico Collins and Shea Patterson and, and, um, and Donovan Peoples-Jones as well. Yeah, they, this, is, this is a passing game for all the ups and downs. I mean, they have been really efficient on deep ball passes. They're averaging on, on those 20-yard or more passing targets. They're averaging 20.7 yards per attempt. That's more than double what they were averaging in 2019. I, I am generally impressed with this deep ball pass. <laughs> I think Cade McNamara almost is worse at the 5- to 10-yard passes that are, that are kind of in traffic where the timing's a little bit more important. It seems like when he just has to put air under it and, and find location, he'll, he'll, he's prone to some underthrows. But I think this is, a, this is actually a pretty explosive passing offense when, when they do hit. 3.5 is a decently high number. I'm going to take the over. I think that they, they continue to try to work this downfield passing game. And Northwestern, maybe not as bad in coverage as they are in other areas, but it's a very young secondary, a lot of new faces. I think it would behoove Michigan to, to, to air it out a little bit. You think they get to four or more passes of at least 20? I'll say under on this one. I'm going strictly off of the statistics on this and just to go against you on one of these. This I, I see Northwestern seventh in the country in yards per completion defensively. Oh, there you go. Four of the defenses ranked ahead of them, Georgia, Washington, Penn State, Clemson. So – Washington, we know, has two first-rounder, two potential first-round, second-round guys in the NFL draft. And uh, Georgia, Penn State, Clemson all have multiple pros uh, in their defensive backfield. So I'll go with the under. I think I could see it's very conceivable Michigan goes over here just because it's it's actually pretty – it's a pretty impressive statistic when you consider how bad Northwestern's rushing defense is. Uh, you'd think an inability to stop the run would prevent you from – you know, slowing down a deep, deep ball, you know, no matter how well, no matter how talented your defensive backfield is, but uh, I'll go with the under just, I'm going strictly off the stats on this one and see it's kind of just as a test run here and see how it plays out. Yeah. Not, not a bad one to, to stick to the stats on Northwestern third in the country in fewest passing plays of 20 yards or more allowed. They've only allowed 12 Michigan for all they've done with a 50 yard pass plays. They only have 17 20-yard pass plays. Uh, so really, when they go big, they go super big. But they're 93rd in the country in pass plays of 20 yards or more. But my thing is, like, one pitch, forward pitch to, to A.J. Henning on an end around, or one, you know, yards after the catch, break it off for a touchdown. And, and that, that, that counts, too. I mean, it doesn't even have to just be the downfield passes. But, but you bring up bring up some good stats that I wish I had consulted before I started talking and making my pick. All right. Switching to the other side, four and a half sacks plus interceptions for Michigan's defense. Boy, the way they've played the last couple of weeks, this seems like an easy over, but what do you think, Steve? That's what I was going to this. I'm going over. No explanation. Like just, you basically explained it already just the way they've played the last few weeks and, and, just the athleticism they seem to have at all three levels. Uh, I feel like you're starting to it's starting to shine through uh, on a weekly basis a little bit more. So I'm going to go with the over. Yeah, I think the one part of this is I I, I don't think I don't know if Northwestern's going to attempt a ton of passes. They they've had some quarterback struggles, but I am going to take the over. They, you know, Michigan. I think they actually only had two sacks against Nebraska. So that might be a concern point is maybe the sacks aren't there every single week. The quarterback pressures are, but they only have 14 sacks through six games. I think they only have three interceptions. So the numbers would suggest under. Eh, you know what? I'm going to take the under. I'm going to stick with the numbers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow your advice a little bit. Stick with what the numbers have. I'll take the under. All right, number, number six, Michigan allows 36% conversion rate on third downs what do you think under i think the defense comes to play on saturday so i'll say the under i think michigan does a good enough job up front 
create enough havoc. Northwestern not explosive offensively, so yeah, it yeah, seems like that's a, right. Seems like an offense Michigan can kind of impose their will on a little bit if they if they win the battles up front. Right, right, yeah. Northwestern does not have the big playability of of Nebraska. Uh, um, I think this is kind of in a lot of ways similar to Wisconsin, where I think they they would like to run. They have talented quarterbacks that aren't really working out. They have some rebuilding going on on in the run game. Offensive line is solid, but maybe not as good as they had hoped it would be this year. And so suddenly this is a, this is an offense that um, can be shut down. You know, they can be put into passing downs or put into predictable downs, I should say. And, and I think Michigan really can feed in those kind of situations. So I'm going to take the under next one, Mich- or Michigan Northwestern's leading receiver gets 69.5 yards. Do they have a receiver who gets to 70 yards? What do you think? I'll say under. The Northwestern's kind of – are they still dink and dunk? I haven't really gotten a chance to watch them this year. Uh, they've, they've always been a dink and dunk crossing routes type team, I feel like. Uh, yeah, no, the, with the slant routes and things yeah. like that. I'll, I'll say under. Yeah, they've got, they've got one receiver, uh, Stephon Robinson Jr., He's at 424 yards in six games. I don't know. I, I'm going to take the under as well. I think Michigan, when push comes to shove, I think they, I think they can hone in on at least one receiver. I think that they're able to do that. Quietly, they did that against Nebraska. Steve Klinkscale was talking to us today and, and was mentioning um, Tour, Tory out of, out of Nebraska. They were really focused on shutting him down. Uh, he only had 37 yards. Now, Nebraska had uh, Ramir Johnson get to 105 yards, so it's not they're not perfect, but but um, but yes, Samori Tour. I think it's Touri. Uh, only 37 yards on five targets. So I'm going to take the under. I think when push comes to shove, I think they can zero in on on Robinson and and maybe come away with or. <laughs> Hold him to a quiet game. All right, last one. This is a pick Kind of random. Which number is larger? Northwestern's total number of incompletions thrown or Michigan's longest punt return in yards? We can try to look up the numbers for this one. I don't think it'll do either of us any good. I am going to take... I am going to take the number of incompletions thrown as the larger number. What do you think? I'll take Michigan's punt return. Still think Henning's kind of do, uh, you know, I don't know. Cause the thing, I mean, that's gotta be, geez. I mean, if he has what, like a 25 yard return, right. That's probably good. I would think, I mean, I don't know if it's Northwestern, one of those teams that's thrown the ball 50 or 60 times a game. Um, Not so much this year, right. They, they have been in the past, but. Right, so I'll I'll say Michigan's punt return. So I think Henning maybe doesn't break one for a touchdown, but I think he has one that's long enough to to get past that number. Northwestern, not a team that likes to give up punt returns. They've only allowed eight this season and 10 yards of punt returns per game. But, yeah, this is kind of a shot in the dark. I don't disagree, by the way. I think Henning, you know, especially – struggling at Nebraska in the punt return game. You know, is this a game where maybe he's Michigan's trying to dial him up for like a confidence building return? Plus he does have speed that Northwestern probably doesn't have too many guys who can, who can match. Um, I mean, you know, they're division one football players. They're not slow, but I think Henning does have a little bit of that breakaway speed that, you know, maybe in Nebraska, Wisconsin, two teams in the top 25 in the team talent composite. You know, maybe they've got a couple guys who can keep pace. Northwestern, not one of those teams. Anyways, Steve, your final prediction for how you see this game unfolding. Any, any lasting thoughts on, on, the, on the game? 
and then your score prediction for Saturday's contest. Uh, 24 just seems like a lot. I know Michigan State and Nebraska both blew Northwestern out, but with Michigan State a week, you know, a week from now or a week from then, I guess, on Saturday, uh, Northwestern played Rutgers really well. I think I do think Northwestern – I think Michigan wins comfortably. I don't think this is a game that's, like, ever really in, in any kind of doubt, but I do think Northwestern covers. I think I have my – uh, I think it's like something like a 35 to 17 type game, something like that. So Michigan wins comfortably. I don't think anybody's, I can't, well, I'd say I can't imagine anybody's upset with a 35 to 17 win, but I, you know, really, uh, I'm <laughs> sure somebody will be. So, uh, but I say Michigan, yeah, Michigan wins comfortably 35 to 17. And uh, yeah. We have very similar scores. I think I said 34-14 for my score prediction. Similar situation. I, I think the, the, the dominance in the run game, both on offense and defense, those are two matchup advantages that, that Michigan should be able to take pretty strong advantage of to the point where I almost wonder if the game could be more lopsided. 24 does feel like a lot especially since Northwestern is coming off a, an impressive win against Rutgers. But I think, I just, I think Michigan's run game is not something Northwestern can really stop. And Michigan has shown that when they can run the ball effectively, they're going to put up points. You know, they have just enough of a passing game and they have, they have two running backs. No one's getting tired in the, in the run game. I mean, they, they have a, and really they have three if they wanted to. And so they're, they're able to kind of cycle the backs in. They're able, to, they're, they're able to be creative in the run game, too. You know, it's not just the same, like, four plays. Like, they actually uh, can have a whole drive that's all run plays, but they, they're all different kinds of plays and formations and setups. So, yeah, I, th- I think they'll put up the points. Uh, you know, on, on defense, I'm, I'm curious because I think Northwestern is, is getting better. You know, I think they're starting to get a little bit more of a pass game rhythm. Evan Hall, their running back, uh, you know, he's he's had some pretty good moments this season. I think the offense that they showed in week one and week two is not the same as what they've what they've showed lately. So I could see them sneaking in a, a touchdown or two. So I'm going to say 34-14, but, but yeah, a comfortable win. And that's a nice stage for next week. That's, that's my prediction is that, you know, we're, we're, we spend about 20 seconds after Michigan beats Northwestern before everyone's asking us about Michigan state. And, and, you know, that's what dominates the press conferences. That's what dominates all the coverage. Anyways, be sure to read all of our preview stuff over at the Michigan insider.com Michigan 24 seven sports.com should be uh, an, another Interesting matchup as Michigan continues to, to try to improve and prepare for some big contests later on in the season. For Steve friends, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.